Hey, this is Jim. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I've got a guest today. You can see him on the screen if I'm pointing the right way. Mr. Jeff Cohen of Seller Labs. We're going to have some fun today. And as the title suggests, we're going to talk about what you can and can't get away with when it comes to interacting with your customers when selling on the Amazon platform. What are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? Can you send them an email? Can you ask them to join your mailing list? Can you follow up with them and ask for a review or not? The rules can be kind of confusing. They've changed over time. And I got to tell you, uh, Jeff, man, this is something I've struggled with as an eBay seller. Even 17, 18 years ago, I remember going through like, okay, am I allowed to do this or not? I'm not sure. What's cool here? What isn't? Uh, So we're going to dive into that topic. But I got to talk about Jeff for just a second because those of you who watch this episode on YouTube, which today, this is one of those episodes that we're actually putting on YouTube as well as onto the, your favorite podcast listening app platform. So be sure to go to the show notes at silentgym.com. See a link there. You can see the YouTube version. You see Jeff and I. He's a good looking dude, man. You got to go check it out. But he's the guy who gave me this picture right here behind my thumb as I'm pointing over my shoulder. Very cool gift that he surprised me with not too long ago. And it shows the first, was it five? Yeah. First five live events we did. Now, of course, we're coming up on number seven. So I got to like extend the frame and get last year. And then, you know, it's going to keep, maybe get another frame. I'll tell you what, when we do CES 10, dude, would you give me another one? one. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so great gift and a good friend of this community for a very long time, Seller Labs. They've been a sponsor, helped many of our great events and different uh, projects come together for us. Valuable member of our team from my perspective. Always a pleasure to get to hang out with you and see your face. And uh, you guys, you've already locked in. You're going to be hanging out with us in September at our next big event, theprovenconference.com for that one. But hey, Jeff, I'm going to kick it over to you, man. And I think you said you're going to have a little fun with me. You're going to try to stump me today. Now, in my defense, I want you to set it up too. Tell me that story you told me about being at Amazon headquarters and doing the same thing. So set this up, buddy. So the impetus of this came actually from uh, CES six, where I asked a couple of questions on stage and the reaction to everybody on stage was like very mixed. I asked a question and I I knew the answer, but half the people said yes and half the people said no. And I was like, that's really crazy. And so we went back afterwards and we started researching. What we found was that there were 17 different pages on Amazon through guidelines and uh, terms of service and best practices on what you can and you can't do. So we researched these questions. We found 17 different pages on Amazon and we you know, started to outline what you can and you can't do on Amazon. So coming out of CES 6, we started a survey and started questioning people and we found that the majority of the people, so anywhere from 44 to 84% of each of these questions, people were getting wrong. And so we took all of these same questions that I'm going to ask you here in a second. We took them to a meeting at Amazon and we sat in a room with about six people in the room and we asked them the same set of questions and they were debating in the room. They're like, you can do that. No, wait, actually you can't That's do awesome. that. Wait, who would, who would say these it this way? Because if you said it this way and you can do it, but if you say it that way, you can't do it. What um, department was this that you were the, the six people at Amazon? I'm going to just keep that to myself so oh, I don't okay. throw them under the bus. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was, it but was the people team. who should have known. Yeah, it, it was the people who, I, w- I would say, the thing with Amazon is that a lot of times you have people who work at Amazon who understand the back end of Amazon, but they're mm-hmm. not necessarily sellers. Right. And so 
they don't always, they maybe know the rules and they know that there's rules you're supposed to follow and they've read the rules, but they're not sellers to understand how the splitting of the hair of the rules sometimes come into effect. Right? Exactly. But I'll tell you, the output of this was that they met with the buyer-seller messaging team and they shared this confusion. And the buyer-seller messaging team has actually gone back and clarified some of these things even more. And so I want to fix one thing that you said. So you said that Amazon has changed these policies. What I would rather say is that Amazon has further defined these policies. So most of these policies have been in place since for the last five years that I've been in this business. But as Amazon has added clarification, we've had better understanding of what we can and we can't do. And sometimes people like myself come on stage and and share information with you. And we do it at the best of our knowledge of what we know at that particular time. And, And that changes over time. And so when you and I were chatting about like, what's a good topic to share? And I brought these stats up with you. It was kind of like, hey, people probably haven't looked at their messages in a long time. People probably haven't even thought about this stuff in a long time. So how do we kind of share with them that some of these things have changed? Amazon's, you know, the analogy I used was you drive down the highway, the speed limit's always been 55, but today the police are going to, you know, pull you over for going 70 where they never really used to pull you over for going 70. You used to be able to go 75. And so the enforcement has changed but I don't think the policy has changed. And so it's just important to know. And the enforcement trumps policy too. As you learn, you kind of stretch it as far as you can go and you kind of learn when you get slapped back. So rules don't really mean anything until they start slapping people back. Yeah. Now the rules mean something. There's another way to say the same thing. But uh, I want to throw this out there too. This will be in the show notes, listeners. And if you're viewing this on YouTube, it'll be in the notes near the video. If you're, of course, listening, you can always go to silentgym.com slash podcast, go to the show notes. Jeff's going to have a special offer for us today. And I'm not, I'm not even sure what it is yet. We shaped it out a little bit, but he's going to be creative. But if you go to silentgym.com slash TOS, as in terms of service, TOS, we're going to have a cool offer for you guys with Seller Labs and maybe, I don't know, make the quiz available. I don't know what I will throw on that page. We'll make it worth your time to stop by and Jeff will beef that up for us. And we'll talk about that here probably towards the end of the show too. But Yeah. So I have about three things that'll be on that page for you. It'll include these questions. It'll include what we call our TOS checklist. So how you can go back and kind of audit your own stuff and then a special offer on our product feedback genius. If you, uh, if you're looking to automate some of your messaging. Beautiful. Yeah. Because the, the beauty of a transaction, it's the beginning of what is hopefully a lifelong relationship and we all know by now, Amazon views customers who go to Amazon and buy as their customer, not your customer as the seller. But there's things you can do to bridge that gap a little bit without violating policy. And that's the game yep. that we all play. And that's the purpose of this quiz. What are we allowed to do and what are we not allowed to do in regards to contacting those customers? And, and in full disclosure, it's been a while since I've managed that part of our business. So I'm hoping just to get like a 50% on this quiz, man. That's my goal. My goal all is right, let's see how we do. <laughs> and you guys can uh, you guys can can self grade yourselves. Um, Play along at home. At home, okay. So question number one is: Sellers may these are true false. Sellers may email buyers and directly request product reviews. Is that true or false? Email using uh, you're not using the Amazon's contact system. You're using your own email system. Using Amazon system. Using Amazon system. I would say yes, you are allowed to do that. Okay, so you're correct. The answer is true, 
But when we asked that question, it was 52% said true, 48% said false. It doesn't so, surprise me. Yeah. Because, you know, most people err on the side of caution. They don't want to upset the beast, you know, and get slapped. So like, no, don't do that. Don't ever email the customers. Yeah. So I think the big thing to, to take away from that question is exactly what you said. You have to do it through the buyer seller messaging app or through a third party tool like Feedback Genius that interacts with the buyer seller messaging app. Uh, Amazon does not want you communicating directly uh, with the customer. They want you to be doing it through their messaging system. So that's, you kind of picked up on the, on the little nuance there within the question, but All right. that's, the, that's the big piece of that, that you have to be paying attention to is, is gotcha. share your messaging. Um, and this is not official. You, you ask 15 Amazon employees and 50 sellers this question, you're going to get about 60 different answers. But here's, yeah. here's where I'm going to go on with this. Because I like, you know, like when I pay my taxes, I go after every legal, even slightly gray area deduction that I can possibly get my hands on. I like to kind of treat my online businesses the same way. We all have our different degrees of risk. There's companies that will stick, um, you know, like let's say this is your product, right? You're going to sell these. They'll still stick a registration card inside the box. And the registration card says, hey, uh, we'd love to send you updates and free offers and blah, 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 blah. All we need is your email address, et cetera. And they've gotten away with it for years. Yep. And they build a customer database that way. And they end up using it to sell stuff off the Amazon platform as well. I've heard of very few cases of companies being shut down for that type of activity. Is it within the letter of the law of Amazon? Probably not. Is it worth doing because you put a lot more money in the bank that way and build your own customer database? Probably. So that's where the gray area of this stuff comes in. And your first question, you know, they're like, okay, I can never email my customers under any circumstances. Got it unless it's through the Amazon system. Well, yeah, that's the letter of the law. But I know companies that are, they've had registration cards in their box. For yeah, years. well, once a customer, so, so the way I would answer that is that if you put your brand and your packaging on the product, right? So we can talk about, we can talk about the laser tag guns as our example, right? So your Dynasty Toys and you sell the four pack and you have a warranty that people can register for and it's a legitimate warranty and people come and engage with you, or they see Dynasty Toys and they go to Facebook and type in dynastytoys.com. If the customer makes some type of overture to you, you can connect with them. The gray area comes when you start using Amazon's buyer-seller messaging app to try to attract them to you. Very um, nice. So that's where, that's where I draw the line between what you can and what you can't do. Now, you know, because you've known me for a while, I stick to the, to me, it's black and white. And that's not to say that plenty of sellers don't live in the gray because I think that all sellers live in the gray and, and you're absolutely right. There's a degree of risk you're willing to take. And I would agree with you that having a product insert is a low degree of risk. The way that I describe risk to people is that that's a low degree of risk, but everything you do increases your risk. And so you just have to kind of figure out at what point is the value of your business greater than the risk that you're taking? And then you lower your risk down. But that's another whole probably podcast in the future. Oh, that sure. Of course. I didn't want yeah. to get us off in the weeds too much, but I love this. You know, that's where we play is kind of in that gray area. Some of us have a wider gray area than others. Yeah. And, and I make as much black and white as I possibly can. But uh, I like those nuanced discussion topics. All right, yeah. Now. And I think, I mean, it's something that I've always respected about Brett and his business. I mean, he operates in the white. I mean, he's, everything he does follows the terms of service. Um, he's just doing it bigger and better 
than everybody else. And, yeah. and, and so you can, you know, people always say, can you be successful living in the white or do you have to go gray? You can absolutely be successful. Mike Brown, another great example of somebody who's built a multi-million dollar business. He doesn't do black hat or gray hat tactics. You know, he's been using our tool Mike Brown. for, for, yeah, I didn't get one of those. You got one of those. <laughs> if for those of you who are listening, I'm holding up a little model NASCAR, Death Wish Coffee sponsored a NASCAR. He's a great client. He uses Seller Labs. You guys blew up his reviews, by the way. Yeah. I think he's I at 16,000 reviews right 16, now. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. He's beating Folgers and Maxwell House any given day. He's one of the top three coffees selling on Amazon. And, and, and uh, yeah, it's a guy from our community to reference that. But yeah. Totally white hat. Totally works within the system. Yeah. Mega brand that's worth tens of millions of dollars at this point. But if you were to buy his coffee and then if you were to buy his coffee and then you were to go check out his website and then you were to go engage with him in some other manner, he has the right to market to you. I, I mean, the, Amazon doesn't own the customer outright. They just own the customer information within Amazon. So, all right, let's go to question two. Let's do it. When a seller emails a buyer about a purchase, it is okay to reference the product by including a link to the Amazon product detail page. Hmm. There's a rule about that, huh? <laughs> I'm going to say yes but I'm not real confident on my answer on this one. Okay, so 84% of the people who answered this question said that that is true, that you can link them to the product detail page, but the answer is false. And we'll have this in the show notes, but Amazon actually says inside uh, one of their pages on buyer-seller messaging, if you send a permitted email to an Amazon customer, your message cannot include a link to any website. No links. A link to Amazon product detail page or storefront. Seller logo, if it includes a link to your website. A marketing message or promotion or any promotion for additional products. And so what Amazon, what Amazon wants, right? Let's talk about like the intent because I think that's always important. What Amazon wants is Amazon wants you to communicate to the customer about the product and the customer experience that they're currently having. And so you talked about gray. So when is it gray and it might be okay to send them to the product detail page? The number one reason I think you could argue for sending them to the product detail page was if you had a how-to video that was critical to the success and use of the product. You could then argue with Amazon that you're providing that reference to that page. But in general, Amazon does not want you linking to that page they want your message to be specific to the purchase that occurred. It's not a marketing or promotional email. Makes sense. Sounds like there's, there's some gray area in there to me though, just as far as uh, there's plenty of ways where you could provide a link and still not be going outside of Amazon's system. But I understand the, I guess, motivation the intent, behind right? like, that. And that's, what, and, and, and that's what I try to hone in on when I'm trying to figure out whether I'm telling you the right or the wrong way to do things. I try to look at what is Amazon's intent. And if you're trying to violate their intent, you're breaking it. If you're not, then you're not. And so the intent is that they don't want you, they want you to be messaging about the transaction. And so that's where maybe you explain for the laser tag guns, you explain that, you know, uh, if you put the batteries in backwards, the, the, it won't work or that there's specific instructions to change the gun type, right? I think there's like six different uh, shooting types or there's four different color types. Within your email, you can explain all that to talk about product feature benefits of your product. 
but you don't want to send them back to the product detail page to, you know, for future. Yeah, to, to, to be clear, not even the Amazon product detail page. Correct. No links. According, yeah. according to the letter of, mm-hmm. of, of their rules, mm-hmm. uh, that is correct. But that is a risk I'd be willing to take from time to time to clearly communicate to the customer. It's like, hey, I saw you. Like, could you give me that link again? Because I can't remember where I saw it now. And you're like, here you go. I'm helping you make a sale, Amazon. Because it, it's humans behind the suspension decisions. The permanent suspensions aren't made without humans touching and interact. They're not going to suspend you. For that. So if we go back to the, I'm going off the reservation and I'm staying to the correct side of this. Right. A link off of Amazon is like the, you're just completely violating the terms of service and the rules. When exactly. you start linking within Amazon, again, it's what's the intent of your link? And if yeah. the intent of your link is to improve the customer experience by providing them additional information, then fine. If it's to try to get them to buy another product, then you're probably starting to push, push it to yeah. the wrong side. Customers who are interested in this product are also interested in these other six products of ours. You should check them out too. Like right. they, they don't want you doing that. They don't want you getting into sales mode. Like let yep. the customer make up their own mind. Let the website do the selling. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. All right. So question number three, is it acceptable to email buyers a coupon code for a future purchase? I guess the question is, it is acceptable to email buyers. So it's a true or false. It is acceptable. It is acceptable to, hmm, man, I'm having to think, I'm going back and forth on this one hard. I've like changed my mind four times already. Um, I'm going to say no. Okay. So you are correct. It is not acceptable. Uh, but when we asked this question, again, 52% of people said that it was acceptable. 48 said that it wasn't. So your mind going back and forth. Typical. It, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very common of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Amazon says within the, the buyer-seller messaging, again, it says, you cannot contact buyers for marketing or promotional purposes. And so providing a coupon is a marketing or promotional purpose. I actually was, was hesitant in our last question we were talking about because I was kind of giving you the answer to this one, uh, but it still stumped you. And so yes. that's the big, big thing is that Amazon does not want you using their buyer-seller messaging as a marketing tool. And so you just have to, your marketing tool is not to email everybody that's bought from you in the past and offer them a coupon to buy from you again in the future. Right. Because that could be very quickly. I mean, one of the ways to think through these from Amazon's perspective is, you know, this customer has bought from, let's say, over the course of a few years, hundreds of different sellers. What if all of them decided to start sending coupon codes? I mean, that would literally fill your inbox, your messaging. Yep. Like, con- they don't want that. That's where my mind went. Like, that's got to be the intent of the rules they have in place is they don't want these people bombarded with sales messages. They don't want Exactly. Their- it's the equivalent of, you know, text messages constantly all day for different promotions. Like, they don't want to create that experience for their customers. Or we'll give it somebody, we'll give it to something that everybody's dealing with today, robocalls on your cell phone, right? I saw the coolest app yesterday. Have you seen this? I guess it's been out for a couple of years. I downloaded it. I'm going to try it out. I don't remember what it's called. You can find it. It's it creates that, yeah. a robot. It, it gives you like 50 random robot responses. Oh, it no, I haven't automatically, It wastes, the target is it, it tries to waste between two and five minutes of the telemarketer's time. It steals the call and then it has a conversation with them, it right? It answers the phone. It's like, hey, yeah, oh, I'm glad you called me back. Yeah, hold on just a second. And then pause, 30 seconds. And like, all right, 
yeah, you got me. I've got plenty of free time. Let's chat because I want to hear all about it. Go ahead. And then it just interrupts them. And then it just, and you can make your own or you can use like Morgan Freeman and uh, President Trump and Obama impersonators. I mean, it's, it's awesome. That's and, funny. And, and the cool I've, I've is, seen that one. There's also one that um, basically steals the calls and just blocks the numbers. It, it uses like crowdsourcing to, to identify and cut back. It, hey, it's going to yeah. be a real, it's a real problem for us to have to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, as we've been sitting here, my phones rang three times and odds are none of them were legit. Yeah. And they're all bouncing over. So I'm hoping to get these recordings and see some of these, hopefully see these what, conversations. Because you get I'll the be, recording. When, of the when I see you, you in September, I'm going to ask. <laughs> all right. So okay. this one is a great debate. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Let's you this do it, man. Uh, in Let's the, do it. before I even ask. But true or false, sellers may only send one message per order requesting a product review. I've seen that as a rule of thumb, but I wouldn't swear to it that that's an Amazon rule. Man, if I get this one wrong, I'm, a, I'm at 50%. So I got to get this one right. And I'm giving the listeners a chance to think this one through too. Only one. I'm going to say true. Okay. So your first thought was correct. And so I actually say when I give this answer, I don't know if it's true or false. Um, <laughs> Amazon is not very specific in how much messaging you can or cannot do. When I've asked Amazon specifically about this, they point to language inside of buyer-seller messaging that says, you may send a email, mm -hmm. right? So, so they're looking at the word A and they're saying the word A is singular, therefore it's one. But I don't think they know the answer. So Amazon technically has a rule that you can't send more than five messages per order volume. So if you have 100 orders, you can't send more than 500 messages. But as you said earlier, nobody wants 500 messages. And so this comes down to, I think, what's a best practice as opposed to what's the letter of the law. I think a best practice is one message. If you have a reason to send a second message, you can get away with two. I don't think you can think of a lot of reasons you need to send three or more messages. And if you want to understand the other side of this, log into your buyer account. So not your seller central account, but your buyer account and go through the messaging that you get from people. And when you get more than one message from somebody, see if they're actually doing anything that provides value to you. And you and I, we both have preached this for years. Your message needs to bring value to the customer. And so if you're bringing value, there's a reason to communicate with them. And there's a reason to potentially communicate more than once. But most people who are messaging are just asking over and over and over again. And it's actually, one day I need to do it. I need to log into my wife's account and I need to shoot a video of just the crazy messages that she gets. Five messages for somebody to see if I'm interested in reviewing the dog bone that I bought. That's just constantly asking me to review the dog bone. You know, it's maddening. So I would imagine that in, in anticipation of future changes, which I like to do, like if I were Amazon, yep. what changes would I make? I see this, that letter A being changed to a number one at yep. some point, like that's it. And even that number one possibly even going away at some point because they just don't, you know, customers complaining, they're going to listen. Yeah. I mean, listen, anything can happen at Amazon. I'm fairly confident that Amazon understands the value of buyer-seller messaging. They understand the value of you being able to communicate with your customer. So I don't see them taking that away entirely. 
I do see future clarification coming around how many messages can you send? Because when you do have people sending four or five messages, you'll actually see them, you'll see Amazon message those people with a warning. And you know, I just want to be honest, Seller Labs, our pricing is based off of the number of messages you send. So I actually have a financial interest in you sending more messages to your customer. And when we started telling people that they should only be sending one, maybe two messages, we were essentially encouraging people to spend less money with us. And so for us, it's not about money. It's about what's right or wrong and, and what's the best practice for doing things. And so that's the best practice. You have to be a bot. And we talk about this with creating listings and photos and enhancing products and everything else. Put yourself in the mind of the shopper. The shopper doesn't want to get all of these messages. The shopper wants to be given value. So if I'm, if I'm Dynasty Toys, I maybe come out with an email the day my product arrives and I explain how to insert a battery and how to change the gun type and how to change the color to, to create the different teams. And then I maybe come out three days later and I ask for a review. That makes sense because I provided value along the way as opposed to just give me a review, give me a review, give me a review. Yeah. And the general rule that I use in email marketing is just every message you send out, it better be 70 to 80% value asking nothing in return, literally nothing yep. in return before you ask for a call to action of some kind that makes them commit time or money as a customer. Well, and when people engage with your brand, and, and it's funny because I know, I know that by talking about Dynasty Toys and, and Death Wish Coffee, people automatically go, but I'm not them. But they don't know that they weren't them two years ago or five years ago, right? So most people probably don't know this, but Dynasty Toys wasn't even Dynasty Toys two years ago, right? It was no. a different company name. <laughs> They grabbed a trademark name without realizing it and had to drop the whole thing and rebrand and change and, and then Dynasty blew up anyway. It's, a market. Right. it's the marketing. It's not the name we pick. Exactly. Exactly. So, so don't get hung up on somebody can do it and I can't. Just provide that value to people. The example that I give is it's called the law of reciprocity. The example I use is you walk into a store and there's two doors and you hold the door open for somebody, then they usually, they should, walk up to the next door and hold the door open for you. That's the law of reciprocity. When you do something for somebody, it creates a relationship where they want to do something for you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're ultimately trying to create here by communicating with your customers is you're trying to give them something so that when you ask, they want to do something for you. I love it. You know, I, I saw a statistic just here a few days ago. I don't remember what article I was reading talking about the reciprocity principle. Car dealers, professional car salesmen know. You know they'll, they'll all offer you juice, water, coffee. Can I get you something when you first get there? And if you accept that offer, you're ridiculously more likely to buy a car from that dealer than if you turn it down. Yeah. They yeah. know. Like there is like an 80% higher chance that you're going to buy a car if you accept the juice, water, or coffee when you you're walk in. You're in for the long haul. It's Isn't a, that crazy? It's like, like they know, you know, they're not just being polite and I'm sure they are. I'm not doubting. I'm not saying, you know, let's judge their motives here, but just internally you're like, I kind of owe this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to give him a little bit more of my time. You know, that was nice of him to offer me that. And it's not the secretary or someone at the front desk. That, it's the salesman that you're going to be working with. Well, 
I've always believed this and it's been proven. You do business with people you like, then you do businesses with companies you like, and then finally you do business with product you like. And so my guess is that law of reciprocity in the salesperson comes to make that salesperson more likable. And by making him more likable, you want to give him more time. And then they're same as we do with internet marketing. They build a value ladder, right? Right. And they get you to the point of making a decision. And that's ultimately what we want to do business with people we like. We want to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Jeff, I have a problem with Seller Labs and know that Jeff's going to say, great, let me get my team on that. It's the same reason why you've never offered me exclusivity, but you've always been very loyal to Seller Labs because of our relationship. And it's more than just you know, us sponsoring your show or, or, or something like that. It's, it's that you, know, you go on runs with Tyler, you, you hang out with me at shows. Like We've done other things together that we've built a relationship that you know me as a person, you want to do business with us, you've known our company for a long time. And that goes a long way. And ultimately, that's how you build a rapport. And the goal of a brand is to find a way to do that with people that they may or may not be personally interacting with. Yeah, beautifully said. I mean, in my head, if there's other competing tools, which there are in your space, I reserve the right to promote them as if they're better than you, they're kicking your butt, price, feature, whatever. I'm like, hey guys, you know, because I serve the audience first, but all things being equal, Seller Labs at the top of my list every time because yeah. I know the guys behind it. For the reasons you just mentioned and others, you know, uh, you guys have been doing this a long time with a lot of integrity. You just don't, you don't Google Seller Labs and find a bunch of customers blowing up about how terrible you are. You find a bunch yeah. of people saying, man, they, you know, guys like my friend Mike Brown with his, you know, Death Wish Coffee using your product, blowing his business up. And we've got a long history. So that means something. I was just sharing in a recent episode that trust is consistency plus time. You can't rush any element of trust. Yep. Consistency and time take time. And so that, that means a lot. There's, there's something there. And, and, yeah, and, ultimately, so, and ultimately, that's what you're trying to do when messaging your customers. Exactly. You're, you're trying to do this. You're trying to create this personal relationship while staying within the rules. All right, next question. Here we go. This statement is against terms of service. True or false? If you are happy with your purchase, leave a review. If you are unhappy, please contact us so we can make it right. Eh, not allowed. Okay. So you are correct. That statement is true. It is against terms of service. But 38% of people thought that they could still say that. Now, Here's where I stand up and admit where I was wrong. I was the one telling people they could say that. I was the one who created templates really? for people to say that. Mm -hmm. um, Amazon has come back and clarified their, their terms of service. They did this probably about a little over a year ago. And they now have a statement that says, a seller diverts negative reviews to be sent to them or a different feedback mechanism while positive reviews are sent to Amazon. Okay, so Amazon came out and said, you cannot divert your bad reviews to go one direction and your good reviews to go another. Right. So you can, you can say our customer puts customer success first and foremost. And if you have any problems, please contact us. We'd love for you to review the product. Please, please write a review. And so that's semantics. It's a lot different than if you are happy, do this if you are not to this. And so the easiest way that I've 
told sellers to audit and to, and to look into this is to see if they're using an if-then statement. So if, if what you're using is a if this, then this, then you're violating this terms of service. Makes sense. Yeah, you can't create buckets. So you only get the five-star review. It reminds me of every survey card. Like I go to restaurants now and they're like, hey, how'd I do today? Now, I really need five stars. If there's anything that's preventing you from giving me five stars, I need to know right now. You know, yep. it's like, that's not the intent of the people who created this survey. I'm a statistics minor and I can tell you that's not what they were hoping to see as a big old stack of five-star cards with, yeah. you know, well, and like, they want to know what my true experience was. I don't want to have to ask you to fix it. And the truth of the matter is, is that the Amazon has had the integrity of their reviews attacked. Yes. Right. They've been attacked through a, a multitude of, of reasons. I guess you could argue that these if-then statements are one of those. I would say that the larger attack has been um, the products, giving away products for free and then asking for a review that's right. led to a lot of five-star reviews. And right. so I think that Amazon is, is trying to build, in, is trying to maintain, they're not trying to build, they're trying to maintain integrity, right? Back to intent. They're trying to maintain integrity of the review system. And if you're only asking for positive reviews, then you're not allowing the, the true uh, sense of the product to come forward. And this is where I like to remind sellers, if you have a good product, you get good reviews. If you have a product that has a problem, then you get bad ones. And so one of the examples that I use is a, a product that I sell. Uh, it's a product that you use in, in a high temperature situation. And one of our customers basically went over the temperature threshold and the product burned, you know, and, and gave me a bad review. And what I did was I changed my messaging and I sent out on the day of delivery, I sent out a message that, that clearly states that the way to use the product properly. I added a tag onto um, the product and I updated the product packaging all to highlight proper usage of the product. And essentially what I was trying to do is I was saying, okay, you know what? This person was wrong in how they did it, but maybe I didn't communicate enough to them what the product is and how the product should be used. And I wanted to make sure they were using it correctly. And ever since I made those updates, I haven't gotten a negative review, knock on wood. Yeah, um, and great example. let me tell you how much that cost me. Okay, let me tell you how much it cost me to make that change. It cost me six cents per unit. Six cents per unit to add a, a little sewn-in tag um, during the manufacturing process because I was already printing packaging material. So I updated that and I already was doing Feedback Genius. So I just updated those messages. So this minor little change answered a customer's concern and led to a better customer experience. That's beautiful. That's a great example too. And I appreciate the integrity of you not taking that opportunity to drop your product on us. Although I wouldn't care if you did, but I appreciate the integrity behind it. That's cool. Yeah. What well, is the product? Like I mean, do you want to share the product? I mean, you might as well get a few new people checking it I out. Don't, I, don't uh, I don't share my product. I, I have one product I sell and I sell it because I need to maintain an active Amazon account. And so I'm not one of these people who sits out there and says, I'm a six-figure seller. Fully will disclose, I sell, about, I sell one product. I sell about $7,000 a month of that product. It's enough for me to be able to run all of our tools against the product. You know, I've got a brand and so I have a storefront. All these things that I have to be able to do right. um, so that when I'm talking to people, I know actually how you import a product and how you manufacture a product. My business is not selling products. My business is selling software. 
Right. Uh, specialized, which is something we talk about a lot on here. And that specialization leads you into multiple income streams, but you're, you're specialized and focused. And I could certainly appreciate that. Well done, man. Yeah. Uh, we, right. we, we do our diversification by having different softwares, right? So, so yeah, exactly. All right. So question number six, we got two left. Um, true or false. If a buyer leaves a negative review, it is okay to resolve the issue first, then politely ask them to remove their review. Man, I don't know if that's true or false per the terms and conditions, but I can tell you this. I've seen it handled that exact way numerous times in our business and in other businesses. So I'm going to go with a true. And then I'm curious to see what the rules say. So the answer is technically false, but when asked the question, it was like 50-50 again. The technical rule says the question on the terms of service is, can a buyer change their review after an issue with a product has been resolved? And the answer is yes. The kicker is you cannot ask them to change the review. And so here's where we go and and I'm going to split some hairs with you. So what you can do is you can provide great customer service and you can resolve the problem. After you resolve the problem, you can ask them to review the product. You can't ask them to change the review of the product. So this goes back to semantics. And if you write them and say, we know you gave us a negative review. We sent you a, a free you know, version of the product to make up for that. Can you please review the product again? You're violating terms of service. If you resolve the issue and you take care of it and you send them a request and say, will you please review this product? When they go to review that product, it automatically updates the old review because you're only allowed to review a product one time and it kind of solves itself. So this goes back to the semantics of how you ask that question. Are you diverting? Are you asking them to change? Or are you just asking them to review the product? Gotcha. What if they come back and say, oh, I've already left a review. And you, you just have to kind of eat it. <laughs> yeah. I'm with but, you, man. I, you know, but here's what's interesting. That's one of those gray areas that I'll play in. But here's what's interesting. Personally, You can ask buyers to buyers. change seller feedback, not, not product reviews. Yes. So if they, if they gave you bad feedback as a seller and you resolve it, you can ask them to fix that. But you cannot ask them to fix the product review. Very nuanced. Man, I'm getting a good education here. I had yeah. no idea the rules were different on those two. I had no idea. Yeah. And I have this. It's in the slide deck that we're sharing at the um, silentgym.com slash TOS. And it says, if it's incorrect feedback, contact the buyer with no more than one polite request to remove the feedback after resolving their problem. Hmm. So it's interesting, like talking about feedback or talking about reviews, there's a slightly different uh, set of rules there. Yeah. And if, and if I was a betting man, the odds of you getting suspended for fixing a bad review occasionally, they're not going to suspend you over that, man. Let me know if that's happened. If you're listening to this or watching this and you're like, no, no, I know a guy. He, he asked for a two-star review to be changed to a five after and Amazon came on and slapped him, you know, and they suspended him for three weeks. If you know of a story like that, please let me know because I've never heard that story. So that's, I've again, never that's heard that gray area gaps that I'm willing to play in because yeah. it's an occasional thing. Now, if I'm selling a terrible product that keeps getting two-star reviews, so I'm sending everybody a free one asking for a five, five times a day, no. Yeah. So I will tell you about a product that I was selling before I found this product. So I will actually admit, you know, I use the, I don't even know if it's considered the old method, but the old, was it the, the PPI? 
the proven PPI, product. Yeah. Oh, we're still turning it up with PPI. Yeah. So that's how I found the product that I'm currently selling. Cool. Um, and I found another one before that. It was a backgammon set. And I was getting horrible reviews on the backgammon set. But I had a bad product. The manufacturer kind of, for lack of a better term, ripped me off. So I had missing pieces. I had missing dice. I had wood splitting. So I was getting bad reviews, but I had a bad product. And it finally got to the point where I had to just basically eat the inventory and stop selling the product and just move on um, because I just, I couldn't get anything going. If I could have gotten through my inventory, I could have reordered, had a better product and probably done pretty well, but I couldn't get through my inventory because I had so many product problems with what I had, had manufactured. And that's where I learned the lesson of you got to hire inspectors because yeah. um, I did not hire an inspector on that deal and it ended up costing me. And I would not have advised you at that point to try to get those two-star reviews changed to fives by yeah. emailing every one of them and saying, hey, you know, here's a here's a." Well, gift. what I did was I sent them a new set because I knew that it wasn't every set that had a problem. Right. And typically, if I sent them a new set, then they were then happy and they thought it was great customer service and they would update their review. But it was just happening so frequently that I was like, I just, I can't keep this up. Like I just, this isn't a way to run a business. Right, right. I'm with you. I think listeners are really benefiting from this conversation, man. I think we're going to get some great feedback. And, All right, so uh, last question. I, I'm proud um, of my score so far too. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're doing pretty well. <laughs> doing all uh, right. Amazon, true or false, Amazon may strip, which means to disable, links in seller messaging if they link to a third-party website. Amazon may strip the, like purge, uh, well, you're not supposed to put the links in there to begin with. Do they have the ability to strip them out if you include them anyway? I'm guessing they, it'd be pretty simple for them to program that in. So I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. So this is the only question most people got right. It was uh, 98% of people said that they will disable the links. And so if you include any type of URL in your messaging, it's exactly what you just said. It's programmed and it'll be stripped out. If you, if for a while, what they were doing was that they would allow the link to go through, but they would throw up this huge error message that said, you are about to be diverted. Are you sure you want to be Away diverted from Amazon third party website? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so um, the other thing that we've been noticing is that Amazon is also stripping out email addresses. So if you try to include yeah. an email address, a phone number, or a link to your website, Amazon is, is stripping those out. So here's the thing. You're not violating the rules because Amazon is, is fixing that for you. But guess what? Your messages look like garbage. <laughs> right. Because they're not yeah. coming through correctly. So yeah. this is where you have to go back and check your messages and you have to give yourself a little audit. I think, you know, Five years ago, we used to teach you set up Feedback Genius and just forget about it. Now, we're really encouraging to say, once a quarter, come back in and look at your messaging and look at what you're doing and seeing how it's working and tweak a subject line and add a new variable, You know, enhance your messaging in some type of way to improve what you're doing. Because you know, the best example I give for this is if you go to the grocery store and you like a bag of potato chips, the odds are that bag of potato chips is going to look different six months from now and six months from that. Constantly be improving what you're doing. Don't just rely on what you've had in the past and hoping that it'll work in the future. Great advice, man. Great advice. I'm curious to see, I want people to let us know how they did on the quiz too. That was, was that eight questions you said? 
Uh, seven questions. Seven. I, I'd say you got at least five right. Maybe. Five, and I would debate hard on the sixth one that I was like, yeah. So I, I'm going to give myself five and a half out of seven, man, if that's all right with you. So let's see how, how the listeners did. Let's see how, yeah. they, how they fared on that. Great quiz, by the way, man. I really appreciate that. And cool resources to remind everybody one more time before we wrap up, silentgym.com slash TOS, as in terms of service. All kinds of cool freebies for it. Go through the list again, Jeff. Let people know. What do you have yeah, on Yeah, so there? they're going to get uh, the Amazon TOS compliant checklist, which is going to give you kind of a quick checklist of um, that you can kind of print, put it on the side of your desk, go into your messages and use it as a, a reference point. I have a, a full-blown longer webinar that I did on this topic with the head of, of product for Feedback Genius. You'll be able to see that if you're interested, as well as I have the slide deck. And what's cool about the slide deck is that I actually show you the reference page where all of this stuff takes place. So I'm not just asking, I'm not asking you, and I actually said this to you before we started recording. Right. Um, when you have influencers, gurus in the space who come and tell you that something is legal or illegal to do, you as an Amazon seller are still responsible for your own account. So what I wanted to do is provide you all the links to these pages so you can go and kind of make your own interpretation. Um, would love for you to put in the show notes if you disagree with something that we found. If you found something different than we found, put it in the show notes. And you know, I admitted two or three times that we used to tell you one thing and we'd tell you something new. So these things are constantly changing. There is an email address uh, or an email signup on the page. You don't have to do the email signup. But if you do the email sign up, then as we see changes, we notify you. So cool. if you want kind of a, hey, I'd love to be notified when something changes, then you know, that's a great place to, to sign up. But all the content I just mentioned is, is available on the page for you. We also have a special offer on that page for Feedback Genius if you're uh, not using the tool. And um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on and, and able to share this information with your, uh, with your audience. It's always good hanging out with you, Jeff. And, and Feedback Genius... I'll let you do the pitch for it. I was going to take a shot at it, but go ahead, man. What's, what's the 30-second pitch? What does it do for you? Yeah, so uh, for people that don't know us, we're actually uh, about to celebrate our sixth anniversary, our sixth birthday uh, in the Amazon space. Feedback Genius is a buyer-seller messaging tool that assists in helping you to solicit feedback and product reviews from your customers. Yeah, and one of the most exciting success stories is a guy from our community we've both gotten to know fairly well, Mr. Mike Brown. Entrepreneur of the year. Can you believe that? For the state yeah, did you see that they also got mentioned on BuzzFeed for like most, like it was like a whole article on BuzzFeed about the fact that, that coffee had 16,000 reviews. Yeah, that's incredible. No, I didn't notice that. I mean, yeah. there's so many articles anymore every time I Google and check yeah, in. Yeah, I feel like it. every time I talk up to Mike, he's won <laughs> some other award. And, and yeah. here's what's interesting. Here, my wife had the chance to meet Mike we spoke together at a conference and besides my wife thinking that Mike was a hottie, which was kind of weird, uh, <laughs> but he's a good looking guy. Right? We can yeah, admit I'll give him that guy was that, that, you know, when my wife got done talking to Mike, she looked at me and she goes, he is the most soft mannered, humbled guy I've yeah. ever spoken to. Mm -hmm. Which is funny that he runs a company called death wish, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so not him. You no. think it'd be some like, Guy who's a work, it's all of his working out and like buff and like tattooed. And, and it, I mean, he has a few guys on his staff that look like Death Wish, yes. But Mike, no, I mean, he looks better in a tux than a Death Wish t shirt, man. So, <laughs> yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll win GQ of the year, uh, yeah, exactly. as well. But. 
But yeah, good guy. Great example of a success story with your product. Of course, there's hundreds of those out there, but thousands. I don't know. Yeah. You've got a bunch of users. I know that because you guys yeah. have another while doing it right. But man, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. We'll have to do this again soon. Anytime you got a great topic, let us know. And I'm just going to remind the listeners one last time, silentgym.com slash TOS, as in terms of service for all the special goodies that Jeff has for you today. And can't wait to see you, man. September, The Proven Conference. If you don't know what we're talking about on our next conference, guys, listeners, hey, get over to theprovenconference.com. And by the time you're watching this, tickets will probably be on sale. They're going on sale here soon. And we've got a great venue. It's going to be a really cool event this year. A lot of big changes, but all the great content you've gotten used to and the community that uh, hopefully you're a part of as a viewer of this podcast, a listener to this podcast. But God bless you, business building warriors from Jeff and I, Seller Labs, and from the whole Silent Sales Machine crew. We'll talk to you again real soon. Can't wait to do this next time. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.